Welcome to Comedians Talking Sports, the podcast where comedians talk sports. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. Thanks for listening. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Comedy Sports Pod. Give us a like on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash comedians talking sports with Joe Kilgallen. We're on iTunes. Please subscribe. Leave us a review. It really does go a long way. Again, thanks for everyone for listening. Been having a lot of fun on the podcast lately. And today's episode is no exception. I've got comedian Michael Costa on the show. Michael Costa's been on programs such as Conan, Comedy Central, is at midnight. He's also been on some other Comedy Central shows. I'm looking it all up right here. Uh, regular on Chelsea Lately, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Late Night with Seth Meyers, The Soup Investigates. He has an album called Comedy for Attractive People that's available on iTunes and Amazon. You're going to love him. He's a great dude. Knows his sports. Not only that, it's rare to see this combination, but he was a successful professional athlete turned comedian. Very rarely does that happen. Blake Griffin's trying to do it now. We touched on that a little bit on the podcast. But Michael was ranked 864th in the world in tennis. We're going to talk about that and so much more. We also review 30 for 30, the Fab Five, which one of my favorite college basketball teams of all time. Great documentary. They never won it, though. So it's weird to say one of my favorite college basketball teams of all time is a team that never won it. But they were awesome. They were cool. They were a group of badasses. They were fun. That's what sports is supposed to be about. Am I right, kids? I think so. Again, uh, thanks for everyone for listening. I really appreciate that. Still trying to build this podcast up. So feel free to share it with your friends. Let them know. This is a podcast where every week I sit down with a new comedian friend. and We talk about what's going on in the world of sports and we review a 30 for 30 documentary. So without further ado, enjoy Michael Costa. Michael Costa, how are you, man? Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This is sweet. I, I'm very pumped to have you on. You've organized this great thing here in LA for the comedians called Comedy Breakfast. Thank you for saying that. I made my first. I made my return for yeah. the first time in like months since. Yeah, I've been you there. were a strong. You were a consistent starter, and then maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe you felt like the coach snubbed you or something, and, <laughs> and, and you hadn't come. Yeah, back. I couldn't get a good seat. I was always oh, sitting so, on the yeah. outside. <laughs> you know, whenever there's a group setting and there's like you know eight or nine people sure. around a table, sure. you, you got to get near the cool people. Today t- I was I was in between you and Caleb, and that was a good combo. It's a good, right it's a there. good combo. I'll give you a little clue about that. The breakfast starts at eleven. Most comedians show up between eleven fifteen and eleven twenty. If you just show up ten minutes late, you'll be ten minutes early. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. There you does. go. There you go. Well, I was looking for parking for about ten minutes. Yeah, too. That, that part sucks. And then I didn't read the signs. And I'm like, oh, I could actually park here till six. It's yeah. okay. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. whole ordeal. Yeah. But it's a fun thing. And um, yeah, I, I came. I, I knew this week I was going to come back to it because cool. it was open and I missed it. And then I was like, oh, I got to get Mike Michael on the show. Yeah. Michael Costa. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on. I wanted to lead off with this. Mm-hmm. Jim McMahon, former. Uh, won the Super Bowl at the Chicago Bears in 1985. Yep. Also played for the Vikings and Eagles for a little bit. This is a new story that just broke two days ago, I believe, on Sports Illustrated, in which they have an interview with Jim McMahon, yep. who looks like a psycho now. He yeah. looks pretty crazy. <laughs> well, anyone in white Oakleys is a psycho, typically. Right? I think, right. I, th- I mean, I like that he always wears sunglasses, but the white sunglasses usually mean something's going on. Usually you're hiding something yeah, when you're yeah, always wearing sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. And we figure out what he's hiding, though, and I'll get yeah. to that in a second. He was uh, a quarterback in the 80s who was pretty good. Mm-hmm. He, um, I'm not going to say he was amazing. He mm-hmm. was good. He had a mm-hmm. great defense, of course, the famous of course, 85 Bears defense. Won the Super Bowl in 85. He was colorful. Yep. People loved him in interviews. Handsome. He was handsome. People, I'm sure people enjoyed that part of him. Yeah, he was like, he, he was probably like him in Montana where like the sure. poster boys sure. for the NFC in the 80s. 
he since has gotten in a lot of trouble, has had a lot of weird little bouts. And, and the trouble, I used to think maybe he was just, oh, he's just a bored NFL player. He's a punk. No, it's a lot of it has to do with the amount of injuries he had. He was very injury-plagued. They're, they're showing highlights where he's like, this guy's getting dropped on his neck. He's getting yeah. crushed, cheap hits. And what we discover in the interview, the interview is basically about marijuana. Yeah. And he has a theory. Kind of sh- kind of took a turn there that I, w- I did, wasn't expecting, which I enjoyed. Yeah, I sent he just, you the link. He, yeah, he just dropped it like in the second minute, and I was, or thir- you know, and I was like, oh, this is this is good for him. He's just he's just being honest about this. Yeah, because at first I thought it was another CTE story, you sure, know, about sure. concussions and how they didn't test for it before and how they didn't care. And he even said something that was pretty eye-opening. He's like, back then they would just say, follow my finger. Oh, you can follow my finger? Yeah, yeah get back out there. We don't care. <laughs> right. And, yeah, which is pretty extreme, you know. So what I really took from this was first he's talking about all the drugs and taking all these painkillers and how these guys are all hooked up, right? Eight to ten a day. Eight to ten a day. And and what that does to you. And then he goes to the players who have famously committed suicide since. And it is crazy to me about football, about the way these guys do it, because they usually shoot themselves in the chest. I know, because they want their brain to survive, right? Yeah, they want someone to study their brain Yeah, yeah. so that other people, they could learn from it and other people don't have to go through that. I That's mean, what's so touching to me about it is the fact that even in their darkest moment, these guys were still like, no, I, I want some good to come out of me killing myself. I I just think in, you know, you sent me the, the link last night and I watched it. And then I think I was watching maybe uh, the 85 bear 30 for 30 was on last night, too. And I was like, oh, interesting. And so I think now he does puzzles every morning. One of the things he does every morning is he does brain exercises. I mean, he, he seems like a smart football player now trying to fight this maybe brain problem. Yeah. And it's like, it's just really fucking sad that you got this, you know, world-class athlete, millionaire. He lives in Arizona because the, the humidity is better for his injuries. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, this is such a tough, tough sport. I want to commend Sports Illustrated for not backing down from this and just like showcase ESPN never really says anything ESPN honest. ESPN is too tied in with the NFL. Yeah, it's, they, it's, it's Disney owned. It's like we, exactly. we, we bought Monday Night Football for all this money. So I really like Sports Illustrated just just taking this head on. Not to use that as a bad pun, but it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> well, no, we but no, they're comedy. just not. A, they're, yeah, they're not afraid of that. And it's like we need to have this honest conversation. We, we do. It's it's one of those things, too, and I, I was joking about, and if you're listening for the first time, normally we get into some funnier stuff, but we will. Don't <laughs> worry. We're going to get there, but this is this is too big an issue right now, so I really wanted to lead off with this. Sure. And, Michael, this is your first time on the podcast. Yeah. I, I like to get right into it. Fucking do then it, And we get to know you after okay. a commercial Great. break, like okay. in Jeopardy, as I've said a hundred times on this podcast. <laughs> is that I, I used to joke with other comedians who were on this, because you always hear, like, remember, not last season, but the season before, or was it last season? It might have been last season. doesn't matter. Ray Rice famously sure. originally got two games for knocking his girlfriend, his sure. fiance out. Yep. Yep. Two games for that. Whereas um, the guy, the wide receiver on Cleveland, whose name's eluding me right now, yep. Josh uh, Gordon. Josh Gordon, that's yep. it. Yep. He was suspended an entire season for his second marijuana offense. Yeah, exactly right. And, and I remember thinking, maybe if Ray Rice was smoking more marijuana, yeah. he would have been more chill and he would have knocked his girlfriend out. Right. It's <laughs> like, I don't understand how there's still... I, well, McMahon gets to it, but I, I I couldn't figure out for the life of me why there's still people who are like, oh, well, no good guy smoking reefer? Yeah. You yeah. smoke yeah. weed? And like they think it's this, it's like, pick up a book. Do you not know that marijuana is completely safe and all this other stuff? But it's still, I mean, this is the problem we, we we're running, we're going to run into with it's legal in certain states, but it's still a Schedule One 
drug cons- by the federal government. It's still, if you have, you know, marijuana is treated the same as cocaine as far as possession, and it's like, it's, it's just, it's, it's so stupid. That's just big pharma, right? It, yeah, and I mean, McMahon made the point that the NFL was tied in with big pharma, and I was like, wow, I have never heard that. Never heard that. That is ballsy, and I love him for saying it, and I was like, why not? I Me mean, too. you hear about, like, you know, the 86 Mets, and they were all popping greenies, which I think were just amphetamines. They were. And you're like, uh, what if they were tied in with this? It'd be, it'd it be nuts. would make all the sense it'd in the world. It would be crazy, yeah, yeah. Think, but if you are some big pharmaceutical company, you know, yeah. you got all, all the pills that yeah. are out there for everything. There's yeah. a pill for, there really is a pill for everything now. For sure. I read this book years ago <laughs> called The Psychopath Test yeah. by this guy, John Ronson, I think his name was. Okay. He's the same guy who wrote a book they turned into a movie that The Men Who Stare at Goats. Okay. I don't know if you remember that George Clooney movie. Anyway, okay, though, I don't. It, it didn't make any money. Okay. <laughs> the book was really interesting because it talked about how there was this, I don't know, it was like the New England Journal of something or just some book that listed all of the mental disorders sure. that are out there. Sure. And when the book was originally printed, it was 48 pages. Yeah, but it's probably the DSM. Yes, the yeah. DSM. That's exactly yeah. it. Thank yeah. you. Glad you're on this podcast. Yeah, you're okay. smart my man. sister's a nurse. You know, it's got to know this shit. There you go. My wife's yeah. a nurse, and I don't know any of this. Now, <laughs> okay, I'm afraid of everything. Like my my wife, I I will pass out at the sight of blood. Yeah. Whenever I get a shot, I pass out. Really? I'm really weak with that stuff. Oh my so God. whenever my w- wife talks about work, she'll come home and just vent about her sure. day. I'm not listening. She knows I'm not listening. Yeah. I can't. I nurses, can't hear about guts and gross stuff. Nurses are amazing. Amazing they are. people. They I really mean, are. My sister, she's a hospice nurse. She helps people die. That's yeah. It's just crazy and. They don't get enough love nurses. It's always like, oh, firemen, cops, teachers, nurses. Yeah, nurses are nurses are dope. If you just flip through the DSM, the problem with just reading it like casually is you'll start to go like, I've got a little bit of that. I've got a little bit of that. I've got, you know what I mean? But yeah, it used to be forty-eight pages, and now it's what six hundred and fifty or something like that. They added restless leg syndrome, and now it's like, yeah. So now, anytime you have like, oh, I got a sore knee, it's like, well, just stay off for a little bit. You'll be fine. Now here's a pill for that. Here's a pill for that. Yeah, and it makes it's so amazing. I'm glad Jim McMahon said it too. Because I don't think anyone's even used that as a theory or floated the idea that it was pretty the pharmaceutical companies and the NFL could be tied together. But now that it's out there, I'm like, oh, my God, how it was right in front of us. How yeah. did we not notice that, that, that those two could be married? I'd love to see how, how many prescriptions they write. Or even do they have prescriptions? Does the athletic trainer, it's a doctor on staff, do, do they just have it? They might just have it on the ready. I mean, have you ever taken a pain me- medication? Not prescribed. Uh, well, yeah. you know, I broke my leg yeah. and went playing football, believe it or not, sophomore year of high school. Okay. And when they went to reset the bone because it would have healed wrong, yeah. so yeah. they kind of had to re-break it, sure. essentially, yeah, yeah. they were pumping me full of morphine. And okay. I'll tell you what. That's strong. That yeah. stuff was great. Yeah, it's great. I remember great. really enjoying myself. But it puts, I mean, I've just been given like Vicodins for dental shit, and it, 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 I take it. I feel great for 10 minutes, and then I fall asleep for six hours. I can't imagine playing football on them. And maybe they don't. Maybe they just take them after the game. But like, I think they take them after the game. They would not get me. I would fall asleep if I was on them. But I guess that's – I mean, he talked about how he couldn't sleep on these things. Well, That was, that was interesting, too. Yeah, well, back to Vicodin. I think they take it afterwards because I've hung out with some NHL players. Yeah. I actually did, uh, did stand-up for a golf outing that was hosted by a couple of guys from okay, the NHL. Okay, cool, cool. And yeah, there was people. I remember someone saying, "Hey, give me a few of those." And no shit. While they're golfing, they're taking. Yeah, because I mean, it can get you high. For me, it makes my stomach hurt and it makes me go to sleep. Yeah. But it's the one of the most abused drugs that exists. And people develop like yeah, a tolerance for, for sure. it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So McMahon said when he was on all those pills, he couldn't sleep at all, and the only thing that could help him sleep, marijuana. Yeah. Couldn't sleep until he started smoking marijuana. Now you know, he smokes all the time and everything like that. And it's it's something that I really wish 
the president, um, President Obama would say, because, you know, he's got six months left in office. I really would love it if come September he would make that a thing and then yeah. that both candidates would have to address it. Yeah, that'd be great. Because Bernie was the only candidate that said he would legalize it because it's really something where it should be decriminalized completely. Yep. It should be legal in all 50 states. Yep. And, and, and helps veterans. I know, I know sure. veterans who take it for PTSD. For sure. And these athletes, maybe if, I think it should be, you should be forced. If you're in the NFL, you have to, <laughs> smoke, have to weed. smoke weed. You need to chill out. We're sick of you beating your kids, beating your wives, the, setting up dog fighting rings. Yes. Enough. I mean, it would, it does chill you out. You don't ever hear of a guy that's like, man, I smoked so much weed and I got in that bar fight. Or, yeah, I, never, you know, yeah, right? It, 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 it does chill you out. I mean, ideally, they can play the sport and be done with the sport and lead a balanced both physical and emotional life. The problem is, I think, in the, the capacity that you have to put your brain in to compete successfully in the NFL is so violent so extreme it's just tough to be balanced man you know i mean you know you see it's just these guys get done with the nfl and it's just a tough gig it, it is a, regular life is not like this I, I know how do you go from living that life 16 to- games a year all the emotion all the pressure it's just in these small finite moments and then you go to real life and this doesn't exist anymore that 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 excitement doesn't exist anymore now, you and I talked about this at our comedy breakfast about sure. comparing sports <laughs> comedy to, <breakfast>. to comedy. <laughs> well, hey, that's the subject that's of what email. That's it's what it is. Comedy breakfast. It's true. It just sounds funny. It's true. It does sound funny. We, talked, we mentioned the idea of comparing different aspects of sports to comedy. And in regards to what you just said, yeah. I, I always found it hard to explain to my wife. She gets it now. But I remember when I first started doing stand-up, how she'd be like, well, why can't you come home after the show? Right. I'm like, I can't go on stage yeah. and kill it in front of, like at that time, probably like 50 strangers and, you know, do awesome. Have that feeling, that sure. high you get from live performance and knowing you did great. Sure. And then go home and put my head on a pillow and go to sleep. Yeah, it's tough. I can't do that. It's very, very tough. I have to like stay. I'm not saying I'm out here doing drugs or doing anything bad, but I, I, I'm up. Like yeah. I have yeah. this this rush, sure. So I have to, you know what I mean. And to at their level, to, to that extreme, I can't even imagine. Well, yeah. Now add now add another th- four hours into that, plus the, the physical component of, yeah. I mean, there's anxiety before, and there's relief after, and those are both those are both extremes. I was talking with Jeff Tate one time about three shows on a Saturday. And he's like, you know, I was kind of like, hey, you know, it sucks, but whatever. We, we, we complain that we work too hard. You know, we complain that because we have to do three shows on Saturday, it's not that much. And he's like, every, before every show, we're down, we're, we're worried, we're anxious, we're up during the show, and then we kind of crash or whatever. And he's like, it's just a lot of emotional up and downs. It's true. And this is just spoken word. Imagine yeah. <laughs> like physical. I know we're, it's we're like, not headbutting lockers yeah. going, let's do this. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not competing with someone who's literally trying to physically, you know, destroy me, even though sometimes it feels sometimes like it. Sometimes it really does, yeah. <laughs> At least mentally they're trying yeah. to bring you down. Yeah, they you know, are. We definitely have a vulnerability up there. Yeah. Uh, we're, we don't have our blind side to worry about, though. Sure. That, no, that's a good point that Jeff makes going that up and down. Uh, there. What's the most uh, sets you've ever done in one night? Book sets. I'm not talking about open mic. Yeah. Um, probably. that you're an open mic. Probably. No, yeah. I understand, but... I mean, I did like one time in New York. I did four or five, but the, but those were those were shorter sets. Shorter sets. Yeah. I mean, the most amount of headlining sets I've done is three on a Saturday, and um, yeah, it's 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 just it just is it's just exhausting a little bit. But at the same time, 
it, you know, you're making more money that day too. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Too. That's See, the nice. three headlining sets I've never done. So to do sure. three hours in one, I could definitely that's see because you got that downtime there. Yeah. Now I've done five sets. Okay. Where I think the average set time is probably about fifteen to twenty minutes. Sure. In Chicago, and that I really did dig because there really wasn't downtime because it was I'm on stage. Yep. I get off stage. Yep. I literally run outside, get into get in my cab, Uber yep, or cab, Uber, yep. then get into the next place, get on. Like it was running around sure. and barely making my time, sure. so which I had to go on stage. That part was pretty thrilling. Yeah. And then you're kind of done and you're like, I can't believe I just did five sets. Yeah. yeah. And what do you want to do? You yeah. want to have a couple drinks. Of course you want to have a couple drinks. Yeah. So that's what these guys do. And then they go to these nightclubs yeah. and, yep. and the shining lights and yep. everything like that. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely, I want, and McMahon even mentions it in his interview. Which I'll I'll tweet out the link. You guys gotta check this out. That he goes, I don't want to hurt football. I don't want yeah. football to go away. But there are definitely things we need to do. Yeah, and I agree with that. There, there's got to be something about putting the athlete first because I think there was this movie in the late seventies called North Dallas Forty. Okay, you ever seen it? No. Nope. It's a really good movie. Underrated sports movie. Wildly underrated. It stars Nick Nolte. Okay. This is like Nick Nolte when he was like yep. sexiest man alive. Yeah. <laughs> people forget that Nick Nolte won he People was, Magazine yeah. sexiest yeah, man alive. Yeah, crazy, right? And now he looks ridiculous. Ah, uh, he looks just like the homeless guy we saw over on third. <laughs> in the in that movie North Dallas Forty, there's a line where I think Nick Nolte says or someone says, "You know what we are? We're nothing but equipment to you. We're nothing but the jock straps, right. or the helmets, or the pass." And I really do think that's how the NFL views its players. They're yeah. just a piece of equipment. This isn't a human being. This is my offensive tackle. This is right. you know, and they're all docked as like as much as this cost a football cost this much money. This guy plus this much. This you one, know. Yeah, I mean, I I love how. I know the English Premier League does it. I don't know how the other soccer leagues do it, but you don't trade an athlete. You buy and sell an athlete. In 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 English, they go, you know, like Manchester City bought this athlete from, and this person was sold. They they literally say bought and sold like a commodity. To me, that's a much more authentic word. It's honest. Word, it's honest yes. than how we say traded. They traded. Lots of times it's not a trade. You, you, you see this as a commodity. As, as It is a commodity. Uh, it, it is, yes. I think the players, and maybe they are. I don't know too many NFL football players, but I think they're really lucky to have Jim McMahon saying these things. He, he's going to bat for these guys that are currently playing, currently active, uh, he's also concerned about his own health, I'm sure. Of course, but that's it's why he's nice. doing fucking puzzles when he wakes <laughs> up in the morning. I mean, but 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 that's that is a smart thing for him to do. And these are 500 piece puzzles. What kind <laughs> I mean, of puzzles are we talking about here? It was huh? on the it was on the Jigsaw? thing I saw. No, this this was kind of a tough puzzle. But like you know, they say people that do crossword puzzles like have a stronger brain. It's brain stimulation. Yeah, it's brain yes. stimulation. And you know, the NFL instead of denying it, maybe it's a maybe it's a liability thing. Maybe they have to they have to pay if they admit it. But they should be trying to help. These athletes, they should, and and I'm hoping you've made a great point with Jim McMahon going to bat because he's higher profile. Yeah, you know if it's some guy no one's ever heard of, yeah. some dude who played two and a half seasons yeah. of the NFL as a yeah. third stringer and got knocked around in practice, no one cares. Yeah, or that's just not as it's not as impactful. There was it's that not, that forty yeah. er I forget that retired, um, young. I mean, one or two years in, he wasn't like a superstar, but he was like, I'm out. The game's too violent. And it made the headline. It barely made the L.A. Times, remember, because I was looking for it. It made a couple of headlines, and then it was gone. But with Jim McMahon saying this, you know, uh, may, maybe one of the more famous football players. I mean, it's like on one of the most famous teams ever. Yeah, that's for it, sure. This should carry some weight. Although I haven't seen this interview on ESPN. I know. They're obviously that's, not going to show it. See, but, it's like the, it's, it's tainted. It's, yeah. it's dirty. And, yeah. 
And, you know, I'm a big football fan. I, I play fantasy football every year. I look forward to sure, it. It's, sure. it's, it's a great Sunday ritual. Sure. But I, I'll tell you this. In the next 15 to 20 years, I do not see that sport surviving very well. They've got to, yeah. I mean, it's so much money, but we're already seeing trends. I've read a few different articles where they say a lot of new parents right now were pulled. Hell no. And they're like, hell no. Hell no. And the NFL tries to push this, like, flag football thing for kids. Yes. You know, and... Um, and they also show these like NFL, you know, humanity advertisements. And I would, I I think if you're middle to highly educated, uh, demographic, you would never even consider putting your kids in a contact sport, specifically football. That's not to say that if you're poorly educated, you would consider it also. But I think in some of these schools, there just aren't as many options. It's like you play football or, you know, we have a football team and that's what we have. That's true. But I, I just think a, a, smart parents are not going to be fucking doing this. Well, they had a poll. They pulled NFL players and over 50% of NFL, I think it's like 54% no. said, no, I'm not going to yeah. have my kid play football. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was on a show with Trevor Price who won a Super Bowl with two Super Bowls with the Broncos, played for the Ravens, University of Michigan and Clemson defensive uh, lineman. And he was like... I made a lot of money. I got a great family, and I will never, ever consider playing football again or having my kids play football again. I mean, it's just like, it's not worth it, dude. Because the Jets, he's, he's like, the Jets would have offered me money this year to play. And he's like, absolutely, and hell no. I am done with it. I'm done with it. Get wow. your money and get out. You know, and it's funny because I think of like the, you know, there's some cultures in our country, like if you're... You're at a high school kid in Texas, and you yep. don't play football. Yep. You know that's yeah. that's gonna be a rough four years for yeah, you, there, yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. And I know I've heard friends of mine say this, and, and they always sound like such assholes when they say it. When they say stuff like, "Oh, this is so annoying. What well, kids are gonna play football anymore? Well, my kid's gonna play. Well, that's fine. What yeah. do you care what other parents do with their kids? Yeah. If you're if you want your kid to play football, go right ahead. Go for it. That's your prerogative. You have yep. the right to do so. Yeah. But shut up about other people's kids. Yeah. Furthermore, you're you're looking at it all wrong. If I were one of the parents who's like, "Yeah, my kid's gonna play football," I'd be glad other kids aren't because then it increases the chances of my kid being a stud. Sure, of course. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the star power <laughs> exactly. right there. You know, your kid's gonna get the ball now. Absolutely. All right. So you mentioned you worked uh, with Mark. Mark, I'm sorry. What's his name? Mark again? Fisher Mark? is. Well, I didn't work with him. He's he's one of my close friends. Uh, he his father, Steve Fisher, the head basketball coach now at San Diego State. Uh, but Mark and I were in the same um, elementary school. And in 1989, his dad famously took over University of Michigan Wolverines basketball oh, no, program. That, see, that I wanted to get to. Could we could yeah. pause on that one? Sure. You said the NFL player, though. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. That's I'm sorry. Okay. No, uh, Trevor Price. Trevor Price. Trevor there Price. we go. Yeah. I almost said Mark Price because I was thinking of the Cleveland yeah, Cavaliers. Yeah, I was like, you said Mark. And I was Amazing like, free throw shooter, that Mark yeah, Price. Yeah, Mark Price. Great. Yeah, Trevor Price and I were on a show on Fox Sports 1 called Crowd Goes Wild with Regis Philbin and a bunch of other people. And he's just a great dude. He's, he's, How was that? Was that fun to work on that show? It was super fun. It was super, super fun. It was a great experience. Um, it was in New York City. There was a lot of people on the show. You know, there were six people on the on the TV show. That's a lot of people all trying to talk at the same time. Uh, but whatever, we did 176 live. I'm jealous of that man. One it's a hour live sports. It was show. super fun. It was super fun. Um, and I learned a lot, and I got to meet, interact with some great people. I mean, some of our guests were like Mike Tyson, you know, John McEnroe, 
Uh, How's McEnroe? Is he cool? No, he's not cool. Is I mean, Mac, I mean, but did you expect him to be cool? I mean, no. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. he's got that famously bad temper and everything yeah. like that. But he seems to have a sense of humor about yeah, his bad temper. Yeah, he 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 had a sense of humor. He he's just he's standoffish. He's you know he 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 is the kind of guy that you would think he he was. I mean, when he won Wimbledon, it's like the when he was when he won for the first time. I think the the headline was McBrat. You know, and it's like you, you kind of see it and you kind of feel that way. But he, guess is what? Is that derogatory towards Irish people yeah, at is. all? It I feel like is. it is. It definitely I is. feel like you could get away with it towards Irish people, and it's a little wrong. I think that <laughs> fighting Irish is also derogatory during uh, Irish people. Can you imagine any other? Like, yeah. You know? Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> terrible. Yeah, the, the fighting cheeks or something you'd be like uh well straight straight white guy to straight white guy i feel like we've been getting a bad rap uh, yeah we have we, fight, we have um not to cut you off but i remember after st patty's day in chicago two years ago there was the headline said yuck of the irish and i was like annoyed okay. by that it was on some like local what does yuck game. what does yuck mean because the it showed someone throwing up in the street oh, and apparently like on st patrick's day in chicago there was like 175 public urination tickets there's all these reports Christ. of vomit everywhere yeah, and funny. bar fights and everything like that and i remember saying like yuck of the irish imagine if this was cinco de mayo or yeah. any other party yeah. day you could not have that that's pretty yeah. derogatory and i i didn't really i wasn't offended i was just trying to like stir some yeah, stuff stir up, it you know? up yeah 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 and uh, everyone's like well it's a play on luck of the irish and i'm like yeah no shit yeah, we know what it I is i know that we but know just you know, think about that anyway I didn't mean to cut you off there. So oh, it doesn't worked matter. on this great show. Yeah, worked on the great show, and you know, I got to know Trevor. He he was a good dude. He's a, he's a football player. He was one of the few football players that reached super high level of success. Yet you could have a normal conversation with him. Um, and you know, it's just a violent sport. We don't realize how violent it is. We like to watch it. We kind of are detached from it. But you know, people always say when you go when you watch a practice or a game, it's like, man, it sounds like a car crash. It is a car crash. It is. Every play is a car crash. And would you want to subject yourself, your loved one, into a car crash? Hell no. Yeah, there was that Australian or New Zealand, um, New Zealander? Yeah, New Zealander. Uh, Kiwi? Kiwi? Call him a Kiwi. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> uh, rugby player who came over and played, what, for the Arizona Cardinals for a little bit there? Okay. And all of his rugby guys were like, oh, you're going to go play American football with the pads? You yeah. know, basically call him a pussy. Yeah. And he went back to them and said, you guys have no, you have no idea, idea what you're talking about. If they didn't wear pads, they would die. Yeah, well, the, I mean. These the guys are the size of Mack trucks, he the, said. The, pad, the helmet is also a weapon. I've said for a long time, which uh, will never happen, but if you take the helmets off, the sport would be safe. No one would lead with their head ever. We should do the NFL with no helmets. Michael Costa said it August 3rd, 2016. <laughs> yeah, let it go from this time and place. Yeah. yeah. I, I've heard a lot of people say that, too. You're not the only one flowing that. It's a good it idea. And the athletes would like it better because the whole world could see their face. That, too. And they would be, become more marketable, like basketball and soccer players. And, and you wouldn't – there's no way they would tackle that way. There are some, some of my favorite NFL players could walk in the room right now, and I wouldn't know who No they clue. I would almost feel racist assuming they were a football player. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're you giant be, and yeah. black. You must be a football player. <laughs> you must be a lineman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. I think because it's just simple survival instincts. You're not going to lead with your head to yeah. hit somebody, but you got the helmet. Yeah. You know you could do it and take the blow, and it's not a big deal to you. Oh, I almost probably get a little bit of a high off of that impact. You know, you get a little lightheaded. Some people dig that. I just can't fathom. I used to sniff glue. No, I'm did, kidding. I, I, I just can't. You know, I played tennis. Like, the impact of this sport, football, is... It, it's mind-boggling to me, and I'm also don't, I'm not built like a guy that could survive it all. You know, I mean, 
Uh, you could if you were at the gym. You're a tall yeah, guy. I six four, six three. I think to me, six four. I think to me, what the biggest thing you, you got to have a strong neck, right? Because your neck's got to take. I, we would I mean, do Jim neck McMahon's workouts. neck was broken. He'd even know it. That is that the was doctors. The, most part. the I doctors about that. didn't the diagnose him with a broken neck. I mean, he had a broken neck and didn't realize, and spinal fluid was going up into his brain. He said, "My brain, my brain hurt because I had the all the spinal fluid." Sa- yeah. The that, saddest thing too is he said, "If if he had a gun, he'd have killed himself too." I know. I guess he just didn't have a gun. I know, which is really, this is a podcast about gun laws. This is what we wanted to get into, everybody. I'm glad you're listening <laughs> with us. Um, yeah, that the fact that he had a broken neck. By the way, I love what they call the bones on your neck. Like yeah, well, my C4 and C6 yeah. were pushed together. and yeah. It always sounds like some cool lab thing. Yeah, it, well, it is a cool. Yeah, and like 25% of my spine had shifted over. I mean, it also, I'm sure the NFL has gotten, I hope, safer in some capacity they I mean, have back because then it of was, lawsuits yeah they don't want to get sued yeah i think that's the number one reason you mentioned uh playing tennis growing up now sure. did you play any other sports growing up yeah i played everything growing up um from hockey to baseball what was to your soccer. favorite well i i remember like i loved soccer but i started to get annoyed that i felt like i you know i would set up my teammate perfectly and then he wouldn't score and I would be like, like improv. Yeah, like you improv. I'd be like, you know, stud. fuck this. Like I, I got to yes and you into the I, net. Exactly. I want to. Uh, I don't want. I don't. I didn't like that part of a team sport. I mean, it, it, I do love traveling with people. That's super fun. There's nothing like the camaraderie of a team. But I started to gravitate towards tennis. One, because it was what I was su- successful at the most. But two, because I did enjoy solving a problem by myself. Not, not, not having to rely on someone else. Now, I think for kids, nothing is better than a team sport. It teaches you how to socialize, teaches you how to succeed and fail as a unit. Because I that, agree. That's what, we're, we're, that's what you do in the adult world. I think so- it baffles me in this country that more kids play soccer. It's by far the biggest team sport. As I mean, you talk to any, any young boy or girl, and they're like on a soccer team, or they play soccer. Yet... As they grow, grow older, we somehow lose. They 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 go to different sports. I think. Did you play soccer? No, I didn't. Though you didn't play soccer. I did not. I did. My you little just, sister just proved my entire theory. Well, you know, baseball was so big. Yeah, baseball. in my neighborhood, we played on the street. You know, yeah. I grew up in Chicago, so it was weird. We had like. There's, you know, we had the fire hydrant would be third base. Yeah. <laughs> My one friend, Stoop, was first base. And then, like, a middle square of the side. Because the sidewalks would go right down the middle, and there'd be grass on either side. Sure, That's how right. blocks worked. Where sure. here, the sidewalks are, like, along the curb. Sure, right, right. And you grew up in Ann Arbor. I don't know how they yeah. are there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, and so I don't that's remember. how we did the bases. And and we, we so we played. I had, like, there was three. We'd play, like, two-on-two two baseball. We'd have a yeah. pitcher and then one fielder and then, like, uh, pitcher's that, hand for first base. We were obsessed. And then we'd play football. And then basketball started to get bigger. When because the, the Jordan, Bulls. yeah, yeah. Well, so I mean, those street sports you're talking about. The, we played street hockey too. Street in the alley. Ho- okay, but those are a product of the fact that your city is a is a baseball, yeah, football we, city. I think if I grew up in a suburb, we probably all my I had cousins. I had if a few had cousins a, in the suburbs who played yard, soccer. Yeah, backyard. Yeah, you know, I didn't have a backyard. Yeah, I have a backyard. You I, I grew up get, in the city. Yeah. I grew up in the city, and well, I lived in an apartment for the first ten years of my life, and then when I was ten, we moved to a house, but there was a small backyard. Sure. Okay. And then my dad put up a basketball. So that's that's when I got into basketball. Right around got ten or eleven, I got really in. During the Bulls' second three P. Okay. The first three P. They're like, oh, they're playing, but me and my no one was playing yeah. basketball. We didn't it's care. That's so interesting. Yeah. And but no, kids now are playing soccer, and you're going to see that shift. I that's think the reason shift. it's 
it dies down is because American kids see the coverage on television. Sure. And even if they're really into it in seventh and eighth grade and stuff, they're like, all right, well, these sports get talked about on TV. Sure. Professional soccer players make what forty five thousand a year. I don't know. They don't make very not, not American players. MLS, don't. yeah, MLS. MLS doesn't. But I mean, obviously, the, world, the some of the most highest paid yeah. athletes in the world are yeah. in Europe and stuff like that. And they do yeah. great. So I definitely I could see a shift to that. It's safer, way safer, way safer. Um, I think we'll see a big shift. You know, and already now MLS is is doing much much better. I thought there was no chance for MLS in this country. I mean, it's it's doing better. The World Cup every four years. You know is an event now in, in the States. People go out and watch the game, support USA. I was in New York during the last World Cup. It was, like, insane. No, I mean, it is. It's getting way it's bigger. It's getting way bigger. That's going to help the MLS. The Copa, which was just on this summer, like, people were really getting into that, watching that. The Euro- I mean, I think soccer is the perfect world sport. It's cheap. Um, Very you cheap. Need, you, need, need, you need your body and a ball, and you can make a ball out of a sock. Yeah. You know, that's how Pele learned. And like, well, they make nets. I remember all the when I was growing up, there was all, all like the Mexican guys would take two garbage cans. And oh put hell them, yeah! That was their anything, goal. Anything, you know. I mean, two, two, and then yeah. they would have a ball, and I, none of them looked like they had great footwear or anything like that. I but mean, it, even the footwear is not that bad. No, no. You get a pair not. of shoes, maybe some shin guards. It's yeah. nothing. You know, the most expensive sport by far, hockey. Hockey's hockey's, hockey's ridiculous because my dad actually played college hockey, oh, D one. Okay. okay. And I've told my friends this, and I'm like, how come you didn't grow up playing hockey? I'm like, my parents were divorced. We were yeah. very middle class, and. You know, we were fine. We weren't starving or anything. But oh, yeah, but you, you, those were that's a rich kid sport. Yeah, you had you had what you needed. And hockey, hockey's a very expensive sport. It's it's there's a reason that Canada is so good at hockey. One, it's cold. Two, is a high quality of life up there. People have money in general. Canada's not a poor country. They have money. They can they can get the equipment to play. Also. Like you're saying, you grew up in a city where there's baseball and football. You play baseball and football on the streets. In Canada, the streets are frozen, so yes, they yeah. they they skate on the streets. You know, and, and the other product of our environment, Sweden. You know, yeah, they've got right. a ton of money. Yeah, and exactly. They're good at it. And it's Russia. Ice. Russia's Russia, pretty good. At yeah, a lot of ice <laughs> up there. Uh, yeah, there's some great. Actually, Patrick Kane won the Hart Trophy, which is the MVP, and he's the first American player to do that. Yeah, which is yeah. pretty crazy. That's pretty good. the history. I mean, the NHL's been around since the 20s. Yeah. That's so, pretty badass. Yeah, it is pretty badass. All right, back to you. I want to get a little more about your childhood. You grew up in Ann Arbor. Yep. So, are you a fan of all the Michigan sports? Yeah, I grew up a huge fan of Michigan sports. Lions. Uh, yeah, Lions. You know, tough to be a Lions fan, but I grew up in the Barry Sanders days. Easy to be a Barry Sanders fan. Of course. You know? I, I was talking about this the other day with someone. A friend of mine was accusing me of being way too nostalgic about the 90s. And I'm like, all right, yeah, you probably got me. Sure. And then I reflected for a second or two. And I'm like, wait, there was a lot of awesome stuff, though. Yeah. I, I broke down the whole decade. I'm like, as far as human highlight films go, you had Barry Sanders. Yeah, he was truly a, a video game. He yeah. was. Yeah. And then in other sport, you had Wayne Gretzky, you had Ken yeah. Griffey Jr., sure. Michael Jordan. I mean, the yeah. whole decade, um, presidential politics wasn't a thing because there wasn't social media. And everyone's right. like, yeah, things are fine. Whatever. Things good, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Whatever. We don't know. Yeah, the economy was great in the 90s. Yeah, we haven't had, we didn't have Good. We didn't have 9/11 yet, so no, you are know, in, in, in a music. Sense I always say you had Tupac and Biggie, and then yeah. you had Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Like there was some fun stuff. Some good it was stuff a good going decade. Yeah. So fuck you if you think yeah. I'm being yeah. nostalgic. Fair enough. Fair enough, right? And um, yeah, you, so Barry Sanders is great. He's the guy who retired early. So I almost yeah, wonder. I mean, if, do you think he just got beat up enough too? Because people thought he could have kept going. He retired at 30. I think he was upset with the with the Lions organization. Maybe. Did did uh, Megatron Megatron retired too? Okay, and a lot of people I, thought he was pulling a Barry Sanders. I thought he was pulling. I thought he was maybe just saying he was, but sounds like he did. Detroit is 
a great sports town. It's struggled a lot. It's getting better. I uh, am happy it's getting better. It's I, getting I've better. I've got family in Bloomfield Hills. Okay, perfect. Which is actually really nice. Though. Yeah, well, Bloomfield Hills is very nice. But I went to Detroit recently, and it was just very fun to see, like, there was construction happening. Wow. I mean, back in the day, like, you'd go to Detroit, and there was... There was no orange cones because they weren't trying to improve anything. Yeah, you know, so it's fun. It's it's getting a lot better. There's some really cool stuff there. Destruction back. Yeah, in the day. yeah, it was de- exactly. Yeah. It was the opposite. Um, the bad boys were super fun to watch growing up. 88, 89. Uh, it was fun to kind of know that the rest of the country hated you. I know you probably hated them, but it was like it was just fun. It gave us in the Detroit area, and I'm from Ann Arbor, which is not Detroit, but it gave us a little bit of sense of pride. Um, and then. Let's see, Pistons, Lions, and Red Wings, one of the most winningest organizations that exists. You know, they haven't won a Stanley Cup in a while, but a while still means, like, what, 15 years or something? And they're just always in the playoffs. They're always competing, and they're just they're just winners. It's like a winning organization. Oh, the Red Wings won one. I don't – what, 2008, I want to say they won one? I think they won in 08. I'm almost positive would, they won 2008. It's amazing that you know that. Yeah. I love hockey. I wish I could talk about it more. It's tough hey, Siri. though there's not a lot of comedians who know. Yeah, Siri, she'll know. When did the Red Wings win their last Stanley Cup? Let's see if she knows. She got an answer for me. What do you got? The there? Red Wings won the Stanley Cup four to two over the Penguins. They won the last game three to two on June fourth, two thousand eight. Look at that! I was right. Damn, Joe. That's why. I feel good. I, kids. I don't remember that. Two thousand eight. Let's see. I was twenty eight. Yeah, I, I do remember it vaguely. That's right. That was in game, game seven. See, as, as a Blackhawks fan, I'm supposed to hate the Red Wings, yeah. and I yeah, obviously yeah, don't like them, them. Yeah, but I respect them. They yeah. remind me of like, I, I hate. I'm supposed to hate the Cardinals. I'm supposed to hate the Packers, and I do hate both those. I hate all those organizations sure. I just mentioned. But I respect them because they're always good. Of course, the, the Packers Cardinals are always there. The yeah. Cardinals are always there. And the Red yeah. Wings are always there. Yeah, the Red Wings have made the playoffs something like 25 years in a row. Or and as an athlete, all you really want, you can't guarantee victory. But you just want to be in, in, have an opportunity at it. Yes. You know, it just would suck so bad to go through the short window of a professional athletic career and go like, we were never even in the mix. You know what they say, you can't get laid if you don't go to the dance. You got to go to the dance. It'd right? be fun. You want to go to the dance. And if, and if you are drafted by the Red Wings organization, you play for Red Wings, you know you're going to at least get a couple chances to dance. And yes. that's, that's <laughs> nice. That's nice. It's nice. Yeah, the Red Wings are a great organization. So... Did you hate Jordan growing up? Yeah, for sure. I still don't like Jordan. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people I, don't. Yeah, I didn't like. I don't. I mean, it's not to, a good personality. His Hall of Fame. His Hall of Fame speech to me was just finally twenty years of what I had been saying all along. I mean, it just the, proved his true character. His narcissism. The, the fact that the the meme now is him like crying on Twitter just it just shows that a lot of people kind of feel the same way. Uh, you can't doubt. You, you, you can't question his ability. Oh, of course. I do he's, he's think he pushed of off on his last shot that he made as a bull. I mean, you that know, was without question a push off. I actually have to disagree with you. That. I've gone into depth on this. If there wasn't this thing in slow motion, nobody would know that. Okay. Because when the play happened in real time, nobody called it. And Isaiah Thomas, who's a notorious Jordan hater, was the one that put the theory out there going, oh, look, he pushed off but got away with it. Yeah. If you really break it down from a physical standpoint, Jordan is driving on his right, carrying Byron on his left. He pulls up this way. He pulled back. There's no way with his offhand mm-hmm. and that much of his body leaning forward is he strong enough to push someone. Byron was already slipping. 
So when his hand comes back to cross over, yeah. his hand is. Uh, looks I wish, like it's I wish your listeners could see all if the phys- physical the video, movement know, that Joe I can't is doing. Do it. I gotta. Here's he, here's what I'll say with you. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Um, I don't agree with you. Oh, that's fine. That's but, totally fine. But but I think you're you're a good sales job. You use your body. Uh, I think it was. I think it was. I think it was a, a, a push off. However, I think it would also be bullshit for them to call that. Do you know what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. At that yeah. late in the game, that moment. the last shot, um, I think in general, especially with basketball where the calls are just sometimes you're just like, it's so subjective. Especially and like nowadays. And there's very, so many makeups. you know, very ticky-tack. It's very ticky-tack. I think I like it when the referees in, foot, in, excuse me, in basketball go, there's a minute left, let's only blow the whistle if it is a hard, hard foul. Now, this is coming from a guy who is a diehard Michigan basketball fan, and in 89, Ramil Robinson drives the lane and gets a very ticky-tack reach-in foul called against him. He makes two free throws. Michigan wins the NCAA championship in my favor. If I was a Seton Hall fan, I would still be livid about that call in 1989. I forget who it was against, but it was like... But I also heard that was a makeup call, and basketball's just it's just garbage. It, it's, yeah. it's too much nonsense. It really is weird because there's no what's the word I'm looking for? It's I know like I feel like some like one quarter that's a flagrant. The next quarter yeah. it's not. Yeah, there needs to be. I know they have a rule book, but there yeah. needs to be like I think there needs to be one official who just sits down. Yeah, like by the announcers. As their like guy that looks and goes, no, no, we got to have got, more of a. They need the to NHL wear- had that for a while too. Where one guy, I remember Shea Weber on the on the Predators grabbed that player on the back of the head and slammed his head in like blatantly Jesus. into the glass, and got a twenty five hundred dollar fine. Right. Meanwhile, another player who did less than that got a three game suspension. Yeah. You're like, where is the line? Eventually, the helmets will have a sensor on them. I mean, for real. Eventually, like the pads, will, they'll be able to tell how how hard it was hit. What's the impact? Yeah. And robots will call the whole thing. I mean, tennis. I love. To, I always bring it back to tennis because it's my favorite sport. Of course. It's yeah. Also you got to bring it back to your game. That's also what I know. You were ranked 864th in the world. That's correct. Right? That was, how about ca- that? Career comedian. High. <laughs> you're gonna be the highest ranked athlete comedian. Although, what's this? Blake Griffin's doing stand up now. Blake Griffin is doing stand up now. Um, I just saw him. He was at, in Montreal. In Montreal, he's very nice. Hung out like hung out just like a comedian would hang out. Was at the parties, uh, very kind. Took a photo with everyone that wanted one. Uh, and from what I hear, is actually kind of funny. I didn't um, I didn't get to see him perform, but yeah, I mean, if he, there, I'm sure he's a good dude. And from I've heard people say he's a really nice guy. And like what you said, people sure. are like, yeah, he's actually pretty good. Yeah, he's not yeah, bad, you know. Yeah, he was very nice. Is there something about the idea where it's like, dude, you don't? I don't care if you're an sure. NBA superstar. You don't sure. get to just go to Montreal and perform. Sure, come I mean, on. You know, no, he doesn't no have to one, suffer for it at all. I'm sure. Maybe I'm. I'm just jealous. I'll admit no, that. No, but it's just that I didn't you know, get to we, do Montreal and he did. We commit our lives to this profession, and go, getting invited to Montreal um, is a huge reward. Yes. And so to just see someone bypass that lineup. Uh, that um, you know difficulty it can be like uh, come on, but at the end of the day, you know his shows were sold out. People wanted to go hang out with Blake Griffin, so it's also entertainment. I don't think he would sit here and tell you he's a stand-up comic. I think if someone asked him what he did for a living, he would say I'm a ba- I'm a fucking professional <laughs> basketball play for the player. Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Good points. Good yeah, points. Yeah. Good points. 
you're, we're saying back to tennis, though, when it comes to officiating. Oh, I mean, like, you watch tennis now. You know, part of the reason John McEnroe was such a dick on the court was the umpires were making mistakes. I mean, if you, if you look at when he really blew up on an umpire, he was right. Yeah. The times he was yelling at them, he was right. And the, as we all know, when you're actually right, that's when you get the maddest because there's truly an injustice happening. And so now... He wouldn't even that wouldn't even exist because they have challenges. You get can I challenge the call? You get three percent. You get I think you get an extra one for a tiebreaker, and the robots tell you if it was in or out. And yeah. it has just evened the playing field tremendously. I'm against the self checkout at grocery stores, but I am pro a self checkout. Yeah, yeah. Now I watch tons of baseball. I watch baseball every day, and the number of times where I'm like, that was a foot outside, and you call that a strike. Yeah. And I almost wonder when the batters get rung up of that they, as they're walking past, because they all they chirp a sure, little bit to sure, the umpire. Sure, sure, sure. This is what I'd say if I got rung up on a pitch that was obviously to me outside, not even close to being a strike. All I would do is look at the umpire and say, "You're going to look like a real ass on television later." Yeah. Or you're going to look like people are going to. This is going to be on Sports <laughs> Center, and they're going to point out that you're a dick. Or you just say. In two years, robots are going to be calling this strike. Yeah. So I enjoy, don't know why robots are getting six that. figures now to umpire baseball games, which is awesome. I'd do that in a second. We like, I do like the human element. I do too. But but not when it's my team though. Like what we talked about sure. before. You're like, if you were seeing Hall fan, you'd still be livid over that sure. play. But when it, that's what I do. Like we're honest though. At least, hey, if it helps us, I'm what cool was with the it. what was the um, was it Galarraga who got robbed of the perfect game? The the, the yes, Detroit Sunday, pitcher. Yeah, he got screwed. Yeah, you know, that, that was he brutal. got screwed, and it, and it gave us lost a, the no hitter in that play too. No, I think it was a perfect game. It was a perfect game yeah, up to that. So up you, to that. Yeah, I um, I think we had a beautiful moment after that. The next day, that umpire broke down crying and like apologized to the pitcher, and that was a beautiful emotional moment. That was nice. But it sucks. He doesn't. He doesn't have that. Perfect game or no hitter. I'm also sure that he lost some money on that deal because you probably have a bonus for a perfect game or a no hitter. I Absolutely, would think. a lot of I'm sure a lot you of would. incentives and contracts yeah, for sure. So that was a bummer, but um, I just don't know how if it's that close and you know he's going for it. Just call the guy out. He, he, he Ring him up. It sucks now because there's there's baseball now has instant replay. You sure, can challenge at first base. Jim Leland would at any base, any any, any, base? Pl okay. any play for the most part you can't challenge balls or strikes. Sure, but any like close play at first, second, tag, yep. force out doesn't matter. Yep. home runs you could challenge. You could challenge. And then they go to the replay and it how many challenges do you get? You get two. Yeah, or no? Do you get you get one? The problem is it's but just making the But if you lose it, you're, it's gone. Okay. So if you lose the challenge, you better you be right. So you have to be right. Yeah, you don't do it in the first inning. Yes. You yeah. make sure you do it right. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. and then the umpires could review a play on their own, too. Okay, got like it. Like in the later innings on a scoring play, they, okay. they could just go to it and check it out, too. Yeah, I like this. I mean, it does make the game longer, which is a bummer for baseball, but um, I think everyone wants a fair game. Yeah. You know, And I think we're getting closer and closer every year with every sport. I am desperately waiting for soccer to figure out uh what they can do in the, in the in the penalty box to be more popular in america too well do you think it's that stupid count up i can't stand that oh, the, the I, minutes go up yeah and you don't know right i don't care about that you don't care about that because you you grew up a fan I, I i've only tried to get into it recently and you're right the young it's soccer is getting more popular i got my 18 year old brother's going to illinois the school yep. you played tennis at yep He's really into soccer, and all the people his age are really into yeah. it. They they still like the NFL, but they also like. Yeah. like there's this idea in America that you can't like both. We're yeah. very big on that. In yeah, America. yeah, so yeah. If you like you one or pick, the other. You got a better pick. I mean, I I like a running clock. My, one one of my 
um, complaints of football. But why can't it cut down? Why can't they count down? Well, I mean, you know, ten, nine, eight. That's I, fun. I, I guess it could. The problem is there's this whole injury time thing, which yeah. the, only the referee has the actual real time. And yeah, that is a complaint that I c- can see some value in. But I like that the clock doesn't stop when the ball goes out of bounds. No, that I'm totally cool yeah, with. Yeah, that I'm yeah. the one of the things I don't. I love hockey. Does but it really fucking they don't matter what the direction clock. the clock goes in? I mean, this yeah, does not affect only, your whole appreciation no, of the sport. No, it doesn't affect the whole thing. But isn't there something exciting about being like, <laughs> "There's two minutes left"? Instead, I mean, you could do the math on I that either way. I still know. I still. It's probably because Europeans are just better at math Maybe than most Americans. Is. But yeah. I like the idea of a count on the idea of ten. Yeah, nine, sure. Eight, you know, it's sure. kind of at the but. All right, sure. But the idea of being like, oh. What what minute are we in now? Yeah, eighty seventh <laughs> minute. Okay, cool. I think you're right for, for for dramatics. Counting down for is dramatics. Definitely, why yeah. not? Yeah, why not? Sports are also telling a story in a weird yeah. way. Yeah, right. I bet you if we looked into that, there's some specific reason why that's a count up and not a countdown. Yeah, it probably just a tradition. Like Magellan, six hundred years ago, or you know, there's so, there's always some reason. It was tradition. Be, maybe yeah. back when they couldn't get clocks to do that, they yeah. could only get them to go <laughs> forward. Only like forward. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. So, what made you decide to let go of tennis and go into comedy? Well, I ran out of money, so oh, I see. that was a pretty pretty easy decision. But also, were you making some decent money? No, at- I mean, um, I think if you were if you were to Google it, uh, officially, the amount of money I made as a singles player was $11,000 over like three years, three and a half years. So that's not, that's not enough money. Now, you make a lot more money than, than official. That's just official ATP tournaments. Um, there's also like exhibitions you play in and money tournaments and shit you make more money in. But uh, in tennis, unlike team sports, you, know, you, you pay for everything. So I pay for my travel. I pay for my coaching. I play, pay for my hotels. Equipment I got for free from the sponsors, but... Uh, you just run out of money, and unless you know, unless you've got a rich dad, or you know, my dad was like, "I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore." I paid for your tennis as a junior, and and we he helped me raise money. I had people purchase shares of my professional tennis career. Oh wow! Much like golfers do, and I shared. Cool to do that in comedy. Yeah, it would be cool to do that. I don't think anybody would do it. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was cool. I mean, and I'm very, very appreciative and very thankful for these people that invested in my tennis career. But I was done, man. I'm glad I, you said that because they're all listening right they're now. All, they're all they're big so listeners. Like, yeah. um, one thing I love about tennis is there's there's a ranking system that goes all the way up and down, so you know exactly where you are. And I got to 864. That's my high. Could I have gotten higher? Absolutely. Did I feel like I kind of felt like I was reaching my high? Yeah. You know. Okay. I if I really had to be honest and go, could I be top hundred? Uh, yeah, maybe at some point, but it just it didn't seem easily obtainable to me. Do you still play? Yeah, I still play. How often? I'm I'm gonna play tonight. I play about oh, one. Cool. I play about once a week. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It's it's the most fun now it's ever been. Uh, there's no pressure. I'm good at. It's fun being good at something. You know. Yeah, because everyone you're a ringer now. I'm good. It's like yeah. holy shit! I didn't realize I didn't realize I was good. And, and yeah, uh, you're 864th in the world. You're probably yeah. number one in any little area in LA. You're playing tennis. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and it's like. You know, if you do comedy only at the best comedy clubs in the country and then you go pop into like 
a, a little open mic, all of a sudden you kind of realize, oh my god, I forgot how much better I am than everybody. Than yeah, this. and I'm not trying to true. sound cocky, but it's just like it, it is what it is. No, it's nice. And so it's fun to be good at tennis, and it's a great workout. So if you had to do it all over again, would you have tried to stay in longer? No, I mean, yeah. well, because you're a super successful comedian. Though. Thank you for saying so that. But, you are, though. but but, that, but that's not even why. I I see. I used to play doubles with a guy named Raven Clausen, who's now top cool name twenty. Yeah, he's South African, now top twenty in the world in doubles still. I just watched him play the Australian Open final, and it was 11 years after we played together. There is no way I could have withstood 11 more years of that lifestyle. I mean, it is like 45 weeks a year, wow. sharing hotel rooms, losing, uh, losing on a Monday, your next match is the next shorts. Monday. A lot of tiny white shorts. Your, mm. your, your dick and balls kind of fall out sometimes. Well, that's fun for you know, everybody. That's fun for everybody. Right? <laughs> it's just a tough gig. It's a tough gig. It's right. not glamorous. It's not? You don't have any of those? Hell no. I'm playing there in like Decatur, like... Illinois. I'm not playing. I'm playing <laughs> in Z1. Tennis uh, Not really. Some, what do you call the women that hang out? That, like, tennis you know, the They call no. them jersey chasers in other sports. Yeah, so they're called the, polo chasers? Polo chasers. You ever do those, what is those parties? Golf pros and tennis hoes? Are they tennis hoes? I mean, probably for like Nadal and Federer, yeah, but not for Costa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, man, you did a great. You transitioned very well into stand-up Thank comedy. Thank you. I so, did you stop tennis and know right away I'm going into stand-up? I was always writing jokes, even as oh, a, cool. even as a college tennis player. It just was a great way for me to stop thinking about athletics and tennis. I mean, to really be good at anything, I think you got to become obsessed with it. And I was obsessed with tennis, and I was good at tennis. But you need, I need some balance in my life. And I used to just kind of write down silly jokes and just put them in a journal and go like, you know, I'll never. That's great. And so then when I was done with tennis, it was like pulled up these things and I was like, let's give it a shot. So it was always in the back of your head. It was always in the back of my mind. That's cool. Stand up was always right. Believe it or not. The first job I wanted was uh, I wanted to have my own sports radio show. Sure. Because I used to. My dad. You're kind of doing it now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, My father worked on the south side of Chicago. We lived on the north side. Sure. And we were about 25-minute drive on the highway. My dad would always have sports radio on. Love it. Because I would go to work with my dad in the summer. Sure. And I would listen to sports radio, and I, I was just, I loved that. I'm like, Chicago's got sports, great sports radio, great. right? It's like they do, pa- passion. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of loud fans, and there's passion, and yeah, there's some idiots. But then the, the announcers could call them idiots. Yep. And, and <laughs> they, there were some good hosts back then, too. So it was, and I loved the idea. I remember being like, Oh, so when the Cubs game's over, I could go to the right. I would do that. I would, sure. I would remember listening to the Bulls games. I would watch the Bulls games and immediately go upstairs in my room and put the radio on That's to listen great. to the post game. I love it. Which my dad wouldn't do. He thought I was crazy. I was mean, like, That's you, too much. You, your knowledge is unbelievable, and you're a stand-up comic. This is a perfect thing for you to be doing, and... I don't see why this can't continue to grow and just be like your fucking full time oh, job if Michael, you want it to going. be. I would love it to be. No, but I'm Thank serious. You. I think that's I think it's fantastic that you're that you're doing this. Thanks, really appreciate it. And another thing I started doing, I only started doing this part of the podcast about four or five months ago, in which we review a thirty for thirty documentary. Sure, these are wildly popular amongst yep. even non sports fans. I know people who hate sports who love thirty for thirty documentaries. I, th- I, th- I think that's I think that's partially why they're so successful. Where's my dog? Oh, he's over here. Here, buddy. Uh, I think that's why he's not he, not my dog, Walter. I think that's <laughs> why the 30 for 30s are so successful is it's not, a, it's not inside sport. It's just it's about character and story. These things are about story. Everyone loves a good story. And they all are, yeah. Sports are the best form of reality television. For sure. The truest form, too. For sure. Now that I think about it. So this one. Yeah, be- there's no writer's 
for Game Seven. Yeah, you I don't, I don't think, at least anyway. not yet. At least not think yet. Think about what the Cavs did this past yeah. year. You couldn't write that. Yeah, you, you couldn't write, write yeah. all the storylines before. Even we were talking about Jordan, the guy you hated, but his career rising above the Pistons the way he sure. did, and doing, you couldn't do any of that sure. stuff. So you chose a good one. Um, yeah. This is one I'd seen years ago. I had to like refresh my memory for it because the reason I actually started doing these 30 for 30s is because there's so many of these, these I haven't seen. Sure. And I did it as a way to get me to watch more oh, cool. and more. But this one I actually saw because I was a really big fan of the Fab Five. Sure. At the time, they were the Fab Five. I was very young. I was like eight. It's like, what, 92? And yeah, maybe 91, 92. Yeah. The, they had the baggy shorts. You know, everybody was wearing Michigan pullover jackets. Black socks, dude. The black I mean, socks. I, mean, I, mean, I, even, I wore black socks. People don't even realize the black. That was the first time people wore black socks. I mean, it was that changed. Every, I mean, it was it was Nike it, in their brilliance went along with it or at least initiated. I'm not sure. But yeah, the black socks. I mean, everybody wears black socks now. I know. It's You're wearing them right now. Yeah. I, I still wear them. It was a yeah. really cool look. I remember yeah. having like the really nice high tops. I think sure. I had Jordans. And I wore black socks sure. with them. Sure. It, it was amazing. So, but the media didn't like that. No. A lot in the media really called them well, there, thugs and mistreated yeah, them. Yeah, there was. I think a lot of that was race. I agree. You know, it was you had, uh, these were cocky black dudes, sure. and and they changed the game. But uh, uh, this is the best recruiting uh, incoming freshman class of all time. Yeah, and what the documentary shows is really, you know, some ethical things in recruiting. Sure, you had Chris Webber, who yep. was the most successful NBA player of, of all of them. Yeah, uh, Juwan Howard and Jalen Rose, both very successful NBA yep. careers as well. Jimmy King, yep. and then the fifth guy that everyone always forgets, Ray Jackson. I, Ray Jackson. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, people do forget Ray. He he actually talked about in the documentary wanting to transfer because yeah. he thought he called himself the fifth wheel. Yeah, which yeah. Is so funny because it's like, dude, you're still well, a starter. Maybe if you didn't put your foot just tiny bit on the three point line every time you shot Ray Jackson, we wouldn't forget you. But no, <laughs> it was just a fun group of cocky young great basketball players yes. and it just it was all about dunks and showmanship and and it was just really really fun and it changed college basketball uh also so much fun like this quote-unquote rivalry you can't say maybe rivalry with duke but it was like duke was like the white uh, liberal they, arts private school and then it's like you know it was just like a fun time for college hoops. they formed rivalry though jalen rose and grant hill would get into it over a lot of cultural stuff in order in my opinion in order to be a rivalry you one team can't win all the time that's true too. and duke yeah. just was too sound they were close too, games. Too, they were very close games <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to find a little something <laughs> you trying to find something but but Duke was just too sound, too, too, too well, you know, just everything, discipline and coach. But yeah, I love the Fab Five. And that documentary brought back a lot of memories for me. Chris Weber was not in the documentary. He, That's right. Famously, he decided he, not to. Yeah, like because it. they took, you know, he got, he got hit hard by the NCAA. They took down all the banners. So did Coach Fisher. And, you know, I don't, I don't have the first idea of knowledge about I that investigation wondered. or whatever, but. I always wonder what that's like as a player because I remember when the whole Penn State thing was going on. Uh, I used to play poker every Monday night with a bunch of guys, like three or four Chicago cops actually were even in the game. It's about 12 to 15 of us would play. And when the whole Penn State thing was going on, I remember like there should be the death penalty. And most yeah. people agreed with that aspect of it. But when they removed the wins, uh, there's a couple of the guys who played who were like, well, that's unfair to those players. And I thought to myself, now, if I'm the starting right tackle for Penn State those years, and they erased all those wins, in my head I'm like, no, I, I won those games. I was still there. I, I never, don't care what you remove from the history book. Yeah. Like, does it really affect you as a player that much? I think in Weber, in instance, it does. 
because he was the face of that team. Yeah. He infamous, infamously called timeout yeah. when there wasn't a timeout left. And that yeah. it was like a, that, that picture of him calling timeout was on the cover of sure. several magazines. Sure. Oh, that was heartbreaking. I, you won those games. No, yeah, you know you no won question. them. No question. You know, you beat a you beat an honest opponent. Yeah. That day the opponent wasn't was you know, there was a but I do think it affects the record books. I think 50 years from now uh, they're probably bummed out that their names aren't in those books anymore. You know, but but even like years from now uh, it, let's say Michigan makes the finals of the NCAA tournament Will the commentators say this hasn't happened since Chris Weber's Fab Five, or will they skip that? I think they have to they, say. I it. think they have to say it. How could they? You know, what I mean, you can't I just think ignore they have to it. Say it. Yeah, I mean, taking the banners down is very symbolic. You know, literally when they take, you know, that sucks. That does suck because you sucks. used to walk into that gym and look up. Yeah, and, and see, see your all the banners up there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure those guys sleep fine at night. You know, um, that's true. I'm sure they sleep fine at night. I also think that most top-rated collegiate basketball teams have some form of recruiting advantage or I'm not saying they're dishing out cash left and right, but I, mean, I, but I think there's a lot. that We were talking about how unethical the NFL could be in the yeah. NCAA. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. A, yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> that's, there's a lot of shady stuff there. But you're right. I really did love that Fab Five team. They really captured the time in which they played. Mm -hmm. You know, they were hip-hop. They were, the, you know what I mean? Totally. There, was, there was something cool. They were cool. They, they were, were just really cool. They were fucking and it cool. And upset some of the old guard, but who gives a shit? And yep. that's what young people are supposed to do. They're supposed to upset the old guard. And Coach, um, Fisher, you know, this a, is how your time a is, pretty yes. white, you know, man from Southern Illinois, let his players be be themselves, which is great. Yeah, it's awesome, and he he they respected him, they loved him, and they still do, you know. But I just, from a coaching standpoint, it pissed off people because it was like discipline those kids, and his whole thing was like I'm going to care for them and love them, and and they're going to give me their all, and they did, and that that's a pretty cool thing. That is great. Yeah. I still hate Duke. Yeah, I, of course. <laughs> I, I, I saw the I Hate Christian Leitner documentary. I reviewed yeah. it on this podcast. Yeah. And that was one of those documentaries people were like, wasn't it great? I'm like, yeah, it was good, but I still hate Christian still Leitner. Like Christian it doesn't Leitner, make me yeah. change it. Yeah. He got away with so much, and there was a lot of douchey things he yeah. did yeah. that he got away with for because he was a white kid with a good haircut. Sure. And they had sure. to do the whole thing where it's like, well, he really grew up middle class. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. The, the, the whole team did it. Like, the rest of Duke were all rich. Grant Hill's dad was roommates with Al Gore. Not roommates. I think, I think so. I think he went to Harvard yeah, with Gore. Yeah, there was some connection there. was some there. connection yeah. to the Gores that the Hills I mean, had. it's just – it's – it's it's privilege. It feels like privilege. That's really what it felt like. It feels it, like privilege. And yeah. it felt like everyone was just like, oh, if only they could be more like Duke. Who cares? Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree. I loved it. I highly recommend everyone check it out. The Fab Five. I'm looking at a picture of it right now on my computer. Man, those were some long shorts. Oh, super long. The black socks. And you know why Nike really like the black socks too? Elf. Because that swoosh logo pops. Pops the so white hard. swoosh on yeah. the black socks really does pop. Uh, yeah, great documentary. Uh, Michael, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Uh, You're welcome. You thank you for having me. Let them know where they can find you. Well, I have a podcast called The Worst Birthday Podcast with Michael Costa. My friends and comedians and guests just share their worst birthday with me. I'd love to have you on sometime. I won't ask you your worst birthday right now because I'll ask you on my podcast. Great. But, um, and all my live dates uh, are at michaelcosta.com. I checked your website recently. It's cool, great. Thank you for you saying that. You have a that. great website. I appreciate that. And not many comedians do. I spent a lot of time and money on that website. Well, and, I'm glad it's great. And uh, I like it a lot, so thank you very My much. My website I like because it's serviceable and it's easy. I haven't been to your website. It's, it's, it's sorry. very. I, I like it because I could update my stuff quickly. Sure. I could blog from it real quickly. Sure. But it's very basic. 
it there's there's like two thoughts of mine is it like make one that's super creative and wild and fun and it's a little less easy to change and update or is it like just have a kind of serviceable website i think both serve a lot of purposes sometimes i kind of wish i had just like an easy fucking plug and play website but yours then someone cool. no, like you checks it out and makes me feel no, good. No, yours is awesome. Thank you. All right, well, thank you, everybody, for uh, listening to Comedians Talking Sports. Don't forget you can review us on iTunes. A review goes a long way there. Thank you very much. We're also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and my website, joekilgallen.com slash podcast. Thank you for checking out the show.